Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective podcast hosted by J-Dub. This is our annual look at the NFL draft, sort of quick hits on offensive skill position players with a fantasy bent. It's the stuff we all kind of jones for, particularly in a in a SIP world uh, shelter in place for those of you who aren't familiar with the term. I don't even know what this is, day like 40, 42. Um, we're based here in California, so we start a little bit earlier than others. And uh, I have to say, the NFL draft, man, it was some content between that and the last dance. If you're a sports fan, that's about it. It's about it. Uh, I've been playing, uh, those of you who have been listening to podcasts, you know, I've been playing a little bit of NBA 2K season with my son um, and then working a lot and spending a lot of quality time with the family. You know, the silver lining about this whole thing is the amount of quality time you're getting with your family. Um, so I, I feel feel for those people in my life uh, I work with that maybe in apartments Maybe sipping uh, solo. That's got to be tough. Um, but anyhow, uh, I'm excited to kick this thing off. So I'm going to just go through the first two rounds. Okay, this is uh, Sunday after the the, uh, the draft itself. Just going to talk about skill position players uh, and walk through uh, kind of where we are at um, from the from the league standpoint. Um, so uh, I'll stop uh, or I'll flip it up on the other side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Just to, to dive in here, uh, you don't have a lot of drafts with this much talent at the skill position in the first 64 picks. We had five quarterbacks, four in the first, uh, what was it, like 10 selections. Um, we had, uh, actually, sorry, six quarterbacks. Right? Sorry, no, no, five quarterbacks at three in the first 10 selection or first six selections, four in the first round, and then uh, Jalen Hurts, who I'll talk about a little bit in a second. Uh, six running backs, only one in the first round, but perfect landing spot. Talk more about that. Uh, and 13 wide receivers, a crazy number. I think it was six in the first round and seven in the second. Uh, and so much talent that position. I, I see some guys in the third and fourth round, which I'll reserve for another another pod, uh, that are going to make some impact in the NFL. Um, and some teams just loading up, particularly the AFC West. It's crazy. Every one of those teams, it's like they're just trying to mimic the, the Chiefs. Now, the problem I, I got to tell them right now is you can have all the burners you want at receiver if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes to deliver the ball to them. doesn't matter. Um, but so let's just jump in right now. We'll go at the top. I'm going to go through, uh, by when player was, was selected. Uh, so first pick overall Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. Uh, I don't love the landing spot, uh, or very late blooming kind of results. And you can certainly argue he was surrounded by top flight NFL skill position talent, which he was, uh, that said the results were historical on the tape, you know, his arm strength, accuracy, pocket awareness, mobility, they all show special talent. Um, so I, and I, I also would argue, you know, the Bengals talking about landing spot are, are probably finally due to be competitive. You know, it's this sort of regression to the mean argument. Um, that said, I would not bet my reputation on Burrow being a savior or hall of famer. And particularly in this organization, uh, he'll start immediately. And there's obviously fantasy value, uh, particularly in super flex leagues and dynasty, but I'm not sold on the Bengals yet. I need to see more. And I think his, his projections are going to be kind of middling to, to lower. So if you're in a super flex league, 12, 14, 16 teams, he obviously has value as a, a tier two starter. He's probably going to be in that like 25 to 32 range in terms of production. Um, 
but uh, I like him as a player. I just, I'm not sure I love that team yet. Um, next is Tua. What, what an interesting uh, development. You know, tank for, for Tua worked out for the Dolphins. Uh, the difference, though, is that Miami, it, it was tanking to get the number one overall pick to take Tua. Um, and then due to health, uh, he slipped to five, and, and they sort of ruined their number one overall pick at the second half of that season. And, and so, anyhow, they end up with their guy. I like Tua a lot. If, if you told me he was going to be healthy, um, I, to me, he's a poor man's kind of Drew Brees and or Steve Young. He's kind of a mix there. Um, and not just because Steve Young was lefty. He's got that mobility, move around, kind of hit people on, on, on rollouts, accuracy. And he's also got the Drew Brees just kind of like seam throwing. Um, he isn't as accurate or, or precise as Breeze. He's not certainly not as mobile as Young was, but he brings those types of characteristics to the table. And long term, I like Burrow and uh, Tua probably equally, but they enter very different circumstances. And and Tua likely won't start this year, or at least that should be the plan. Kick off the season with a Fitzpatrick, but his surrounding talent is is maybe lower. But the organizationally and the division they're in, I feel like are better fits. They're stronger. So for dynasty purposes, I like Tua slightly better than Burrow. Um, and I think, uh, when he, hopefully he sits next year. So he's a dynasty play, probably not a, a one year, uh, league play. So, um, next was Justin Herbert, the Oregon product, um, offensive situation is superior for him, uh, to Burrow or Tua. uh, there's, there's some solid talent, um, uh, around him there, particularly at wide receiver, uh, and tight end running back now. Um, but there's a there's a talent drop between uh, him and the other two above him. I, I think Herbert's got prototypical size, awesome arm strength. Uh, but, you know, quarterback in the NFL level is is more mental than physical. We, we see that with Tom Brady. Uh, you guys, for those of you who remember, Joe Montana is a great example of that. Um, Drew Brees is certainly not like a physical specimen. Uh, and it is, it is about the head. And, and I think if I watch him, he locks into receivers. He trusts his arm strength just too much. Like in the NFL, it doesn't work. I saw too many forced dart throws on seam routes um, that didn't get intercepted at college or did, but those things are going to be ripe for major turnovers at the next level. Um, and he needs to show better uh, job on progressions. I just don't know if he's discernibly better than Tyrod Ta- Taylor, who, by the way, was an elite escapability, a really solid arm, and been underrated in the NFL. He's actually performed really well for some really crappy Buffalo teams and had a really short stint in Cleveland before they turned it over to Baker Mayfield. Uh, and he's still only like 30 or 31. So who knows what happens there? Clearly, Herbert with the six overall pick is going to get his chance to start. I'm just not sold on him as anything more than average and a full starter, and, and I, ideally for his long-term uh, development. I'd want to sit him uh, next year, let Taylor play, maybe get Herbert playing a little bit in the second half of the year. Uh, let him acclimate to the league, the speed. Um, that'd be my take. But he's clearly going to get thrown in at sooner and later, and, uh, and decision-making is a question mark there. So uh, next player selected was Henry Ruggs to the, the new Las Vegas Raiders. It's going to take me a while to get used to that. With the 12th overall pick. Um, what a perfect selection for Al Davis's uh, organization. Uh, you know, when Ruggs ran a 4.27 at the combine, he was destined to be drafted high. And it's certainly not a surprise that uh, Mr. Speed Merchant uh, uh, himself, Al Davis, his son, Mark and John and uh, John Gruden and and um, and Mike Mayock and, and all those guys took him. So uh, I like the landing spot and I think he steps right into a feature role. Uh, Terrell Williams will be kind of more the fly possession guy, uh, in a secondary role. Um, but what does that mean for his fans value and long-term production in, in, with the Raiders? That's a question we all need to answer. Um, and the Raiders, the Raiders selected three wide receivers in this draft. So 
Uh, Ruggs draft spot assures he'll get fed opportunities, but I wouldn't sleep on Brian Edwards. The is a big body receiver out of uh, out of Georgia. Actually, out of South Carolina, he could carve out a red zone and possession receiver role. He was a third round pick, um, but I think Ruggs, because of draft selection, is going to get thrown a ton of targets. Gruden loves the game breaking speed, so he's going to give him positions to make plays on on bubble screens and other places. So I, I think he's going to get around 100 targets, 60 catches, let's say 825 yards, five TDs. And he, he's, he'll be a kind of a borderline wide receiver three this year. Um, and definitely high end potential, but there's definitely some bust potential there too. Um, next selection on the board was Denver at pick number 15, taking rugs college teammate from Alabama, Jerry Judy. Uh, the Broncos joined the Raiders investing heavily into the receiver position this year. Uh, and as I mentioned at the top, kind of trying to keep up with the Chiefs' speed, um, Judy ended the season as a presumptive top 10 pick. In fact, a lot of people had him as a top three or four pick and, you know, a featured weapon in Alabama. I think everyone knew his name if you were watching college football and, and knew, knew the names, whereas Ruggs is a little bit of a, a little bit more under the radar. Um, and, and quite frankly, if it wasn't for Ruggs 40 time, Judy would have been the top wide receiver drafted. So who is better? You know, I, I like Judy better, to, to be honest. I think he's a more refined route runner. He's got um, he's got a little bit more. Uh, to his game. He doesn't have that 4-2-7 speed, but he's fast. Um, that said, though, I probably prefer Carr in their offensive system to Denver's. And uh, I believe in some upside in Drew Locke, uh, but but the their, uh, Broncos have a little bit more talent around him, Cortland, Cortland Sutton and, and others. Um, and uh, and I think the, the Raiders have a more locked-in number one. So that said, I don't love either situation, um, and I do prefer Judy long-term from a dynasty perspective. So I project uh, roughly 100 targets as well, a few more catches, uh, a little bit less yards per catch, so 65 catches, 810 yards, and, and likely four TDs in kind of a wide receiver three kind of flex rookie season. So I like his long-term potential, though, good dynasty play. Um, the pick I like kind of the most uh, by the team I, I dislike the most, uh, Dallas Cowboys at 18, uh, C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Uh, give the Cowboys credit. Wide receiver was not a need with young emerging stars in Amari Cooper and Ma- Michael Gallup, but this guy is special. He, he was my number one receiver on the board, hands down. Um, and it's precisely why you need to pay attention to this pick. Lamb is, is really good. His route running hands run after the catch. It's not. I'll never compare anyone to Jerry Rice um, because it's just not fair. I'm not going to say Lamb's going to be Jerry Rice, but that's the comp for me. He's a similar type player, similar build. You watch the film, and he's explosive, really hard to take down, runs precise routes, can catch anything one-handed. And then you watch the combine, and he's like a four or five, four six forty, just like Rice, right? And and that doesn't matter. It's football speed. It's like what do you look like on the field? So I really like Lamb. I think the challenge for fantasy is he's at best kind of a rotational player in year one. And there are questions on upside potential of the Dallas offense in general. People got to remember Jerry Rice walked in the 49ers, Joe Montana is potential in his, in his prime 49ers with ton of talent around him. And they were, they were like the Rams uh, type of offense, uh, saints type of offense. Now, uh, you know, uh, Lamb doesn't enter that at all. Uh, he enters a, a team that's good, and they rely on defense. They run the ball. They're more traditional, um, and so that's going to hold him back. But long term, and unfortunately, if he'd land in some other place like the Rams, would have been a spectacular landing spot here, for example, because they've, they've got a little bit of need. Um, but I project sixty-five targets. Again, he's going to be the number third guy, best kind of uh, rolling in. Um, something like 40 catches, 650 yards, five TDs. He's, he's an explosive guy. He's a playmaker, by the way. He scores a ton of touchdowns. So really like that pick. 
Um, next pick is actually the opposite. I was shocked by this and, and clearly the biggest, well, this and or the Jordan Love were the two biggest stretch picks of round one, but Jalen Rigger, um, guy out of TCU, you know, Eagles won a Super Bowl in the past four years, so they get a pass. Uh, but this is a slot receiver, small, quick, but he isn't that special in the big 12. And, and, uh, so even if Rigger is impressive, he'll take a backseat to the spread nature of this offense, you know, Ertz. Jeffrey in the backs. I think the the counter to this is everyone's going to say, well, they have no wide receivers. Jeffrey hasn't been been healthy in a long time. And that's all true. Um, I just don't know if this guy's that good. And in fact, many several receivers that went after this, I liked a lot better. I mean, Rager was probably a late second, really a third or fourth rounder. So this is really a stretch uh, in my humble opinion, but hopefully for Eagles fans, I'm, I'm proven wrong. I, I project something like 75, 80 targets, 55 ish catches, 525 yards and a TD in year one. Um, so not really fantasy worthy. Uh, if you're a big Eagles fan and you've got upside here, then sure. Um, but I, I think he's going to be he's going to be kind of a, a rotational type uh, receiver, number three, number four slot um, in year one. Probably special teams ace as well. So overall, from a team standpoint, probably adds a lot more value than just from pure fantasy. So um, next one is the next pick to Minnesota, Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Um, the Vikings played this selection well. They dealt an older, disgruntled, and quite frankly, I think highly uh, overpaid uh, receiver in Stefan Diggs uh, to Buffalo for this pick plus two other mid-round selections in future years. And then they used it on, in my opinion, a higher upside, better team fit in Jefferson. So JD, JJ is a sturdy, good-bodied hands catcher who can make the tough receptions. Uh, fantasy challenge with Minnesota is they'd rather win games 14-10 uh, controlling the ball than 34-14. So it's kind of a it's a tough fantasy spot unless you got Dalvin Cook because they want to run the ball a ton. Even a Alexander Madison's going to have uh, it will have value. Uh, but this caps Jefferson's potential. And in year one, he's second fiddle to the veteran star Adam Thielen. Projection is something in the neighborhood of maybe 75 targets, kind of max 45, 50 catches, 575-ish yards, and four TDs. Next is Brandon Ayuk, uh, Arizona State wide receiver, second Arizona State uh, uh, Sun Devil to be selected in the first round from the wide receiver position in back-to-back -back years. Yeah, this 48-Niners offense is really receiver-friendly, and they had a need with Emmanuel Sanders signing in New Orleans. Um, that said, there's a lot of weapons to feed, and, and there's, a, there's that Super Bowl hangover effect too. So we'll have to see how it plays out early in the year. But I like Ayuk. He's versatile. He's a playmaker, relentless after the catch type. He can make plays in multiple phases of the game. Uh, he's, he's similar, actually, in that regard to um, to Debo Samuel last year. I think Ayuk's clearly going to be a special teamer. Um, so there's a lot of similarity between him and Debo. Ayuk, I think, has a great shot to immediately start. Um, and it'll give him fantasy value. I just don't know if his his high end potential is is going to be like starting worthy. Uh, but I like his potential outperform his draft stock this year from a fantasy perspective, and then dynasty value in coming years. He'll probably get somewhere in like the ninety five targets, fifty seven to sixty catches, seven hundred ish yards, and four TDs. Um, quarterback Jordan Love, pick number uh, twenty six to Green Bay. This was a, uh, a kind of out of left field. Uh, they traded up for this, uh, and this is what I what I call is uh, classify as the classic measurable selection. You know, Love has a good size, tremendous arm talent, athletic ability, and I just think scouts and coaches they just they see him and they can project him as a possible Patrick Mahomes or Brett Favre type. They literally watch it and they're like, oh, this is reminds me of this, reminds me of that, and they they get enamored with that. But if you watch him play and then look at his productivity, like look at it in the game, look at it on paper at a really at a low tier school, 
Um, it's just, it doesn't make sense. This is a really large leap of faith to take someone this early. There's quarterbacks I'd much rather have, uh, one of them being Jalen Hurts, but also the Jacob Eason's and, and particularly Jake Fromm. I think Jacob Eason's probably going to be a bust. Um, and not bust given he was drafted late, but, uh, but he's just not going to be the, the star. But you take a guy in the first round, particularly when you've got a Hall of Famer who's got at least two, three, probably four more years left in him. This was a, I don't know, certainly a developmental pick. Um, the Packers hope, you know, that Love doesn't see a meaningful regular season snap until 2022 at earliest, probably 2023. So there's, there's, there's some dynasty value, but it's a long time coming. And I think this is probably one of those picks that most fantasy leaguers are just going to kind of like meow past and just forget about for the next two years. So that leads me to the last pick in the first round and easily my favorite pick of the draft from a fantasy perspective. And that's running back Clyde Edwards Hilar to the Kansas City Chiefs. I absolutely love this pick. I thought he'd go late second or third. He was a sleeper for me. He is a Maurice Jones-Drew prototype, just a bowling ball who can do a little bit of buff. He's good in pass protection because of his heart and effort. Uh, he's a he's actually a great receiver, surprisingly really good hands catcher. And then in space, he's got he's got really strong burst and wiggle. And when he's got to put his 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 uh, his body down, he can put his put his head down and his, his shoulders to drive the pile. He can do it. He's great. I think Landon and KC is an ideal spot. Their open offense will give him wide open gaps. He'll get the ball in space. He'll be a good short yardage op- option when they get down in the red zone. Watch the tape in this guy and then watch the average talents around him, such as Daryl and Damian Williams, and tell me what you think. I, it's just not even – you could see in Andy Reid's face, by the way, when they interviewed him after this election. I think it was on, on Friday, the day after. Um, it's clear this guy, barring injury, this guy's likely the going to be a, a RB1 right out of the gate. I think he's going to get 80, 90 targets, 70-plus catches, 600-plus yards receiving, and a couple of touchdowns. And then he's going to get 200-ish carries. Not a ton of carries. These guys don't run the ball a ton. And and they'll sprinkle in Damian Williams and Daryl Williams as well. Um, but he's going to get a, a couple hundred carries um, for 900-ish to 1,000 yards and a ton of TDs. Think about every time they get down to the goal line. Uh, they're not going to be doing Patrick Mahomes one-yard sneak. No, not after what happened last year. It's going to be uh, bowling ball. Edward Talar is going to score it. I actually predict this will be a similar season to what you saw in Maurice Jones-Drew's first year in Jacksonville uh, back in the day. I think Mark Brunel may have still been there. Maybe it's Byron Leftwich. I actually forget. It's been so long. But um, you're going to see a great rookie season. He's a RB1 right out of the gate in my pick and likely a top rookie pick in all leagues depending on your format, of course. So so that was the first round. Second round, I'll go a little bit quicker here. Um, there's still a lot of players to talk about and a lot of running backs. Uh, top of the round, first three picks, actually, the second round were offensive skill position players, two receivers and a running back. Um, right off the top, Cincinnati took T. Higgins, a Clemson receiver. Clemson's had a ton of success producing NFL talent at wide receiver the past six, seven years. Um, guys like Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Martavis Bryant, uh, and and many more. By the way, Hunter Renfro was, was a rookie last year. Um, so high, Higgins, a highly productive possession type receiver who has some big play potential. He's an outstanding high point jump ball receiver who will definitely help Joe Burrow. The question is, can he consistently get separation at the NFL level? And was his skill overstated due to the excellence of Trevor Lawrence um, and and just being surrounded by a ton of NFL talent? Um, I'd counter that though with the developing kind of young core and a new open spread offense in Cincinnati and Higgins likely is going to rack up a ton of targets in production. Um, they don't really have great tight ends there. 
Um, Tyler Boyd's an awesome receiver, but you know, it's basically him and Tyler Boyd. So, you know, I don't know if he's more like fellow Clemson alum Hopkins or, or Bryant, um, but I project he'll be around a hundred targets, 60 catches, 700 ish yards and, and four ish TD. So he's, he's definitely worthy of, of rostering. And, and there's some, there's some, uh, dynasty, solid dynasty value there. I just, I don't see him on the Hopkins level. I see him more in the, the Bryant or uh, kind of good, solid, like number two, number three, kind of NFL receiver and probably more fantasy flex guy. Next pick, I like uh, this next one. Indianapolis Colts selected Michael Pittman with the 34th pick. It's a great pick for both team and player. Uh, Pittman's a large-bodied uh, 6'4", like 225, large-bodied high-point classic possession receiver. It was a perfect complement to, to T.Y. Hilton, the burner. Um, he's also the type of receiver Philip Rivers has historically just turned into a pinball production machine. You know, it's willing to uh, that Rivers is willing to just throw it in his high coverage uh, no matter what. And uh, with Pittman's size, he really gives them that that option uh, in that offense, which they don't have today. So I think he could become a, and I'll be key to watch in the in the in the preseason, assuming we get preseason games. Is does Rivers develop that rapport with him? Uh, but as a player, Pittman isn't a, he isn't a game breaker. He won't flip field position like an Ayuk or Lamb or Judy or, or Rugs, but he could end up as a rookie target and catch leader and and a surprise in this draft class, kind of like Anquan Bolden did nearly two decades ago. Um, so my projection, a big one here, 122 targets, 78 catches, th- over 1,000 yards and 6 TDs, which would be kind of fantasy wide receiver two, and maybe even better. Um, there is a low floor here, though, too. I could see Pittman not working out, not knowing the offense, and just being like the number four, number five guy for the first six to eight weeks of the season. So uh, there's a there's a wide range of outcomes here with Pittman, unlike the guys drafting the top 15, 20, where, or even the top 25 kind of first-round guys where they're almost – set up in starting positions Pittman could easily uh could be a third or fourth guy for the first part of the season so uh next pick was uh literally next pick on the board was Detroit at number 35 selected uh Georgia running back DeAndre Swift uh the Lions waded into the modern approach to backfield uh teams uh, backfield using uh multiple second rounders on a running back in the past three drafts uh, Swift will pair with Caron Johnson a second round pick in the 2018 draft to be kind of a thunder lightning type of backfield uh, Swift is dynamic, quick, good hands, and should slide into change of pace and kind of designate third down back immediately rolls. This really hurts Caron Johnson's value a lot, particularly taking away receiving down duties. Um, I project that Swift will have a pretty big uh, impact on the in the pass game, probably like 50-ish targets, 40-ish catches, 330-something, 350 yards, a couple TDs. And then on the carry side, probably 150 carries because um, Caron will get a 150-ish too. And uh, 600 and something yards and a couple TDs. So he'll be a borderline RB2 because of the receiving kind of combination of the both. Um, and I like him. Uh, it'll be interesting, though. I'm, I'm not sold on the Detroit offense yet. And uh, ultimately, all these players are dependent on kind of what's the overall offense productivity look like. So next pick uh, at was at 41. The Amplis Colts selected Jonathan Taylor, running back out of Wisconsin. Taylor shocked the NFL world, quite frankly, at least he shocked me uh, when he ran a four three uh, at the forty yard at the at the combine forty yard dash, uh, weighing in at two hundred twenty pounds. It's not that he ran that at that weight, which is impressive, but it's that he did that with the productivity he had at college is is in really impressive. So you couple that with consecutive two hundred two thousand yard rushing seasons in a tough Big fourteen, what I like to call the Big Ten, since they got fourteen teams. Um, this should have vaulted him in the first round, but you know. Uh, I think what ultimately holds him back and the one kind of obvious red flag is fumbles. You know, he's lost 18 in the last few years. 
Assuming he gets the ball security figured out, this is a back who can cons uh, can be a consistent chain mover, break a half dozen big plays a year. Um, and ultimately, this is a huge hit to Marlon Mack. Takes a, a big hit with this. Mack isn't known for his hands, so it's not like he can relegate over to the change of pace kind of third down back. That's that's um, That role is already taken in that team. And uh, he'll probably be a between-the-20s type of runner while Taylor is the kind of bruiser, clock killer, short yardage guy. So I just... I don't see it. I see Taylor kind of uh, really taking over Mac's role and Mac kind of being phased out, which is interesting because um, Mac's a good player too. Uh, I just don't see there being enough carries and touches to support both these guys in that offense to being really fantasy uh, uh, relevant. I really like Taylor. Taylor. I think Taylor gets uh, a handful of catches, probably 20 targets, 15, 16 catches, 100-plus yards receiving a TD, and about 185 carries, 800-plus yards and eight TDs. So he's a RB2, RB3 kind of map. Next is a wide receiver out of Colorado, LaVisca Chenault Jr. I'm sure I mispronounced that. He went to Jacksonville at pick number 42. The Colorado product is a dynamic playmaker, kind of in the running back, uh, running back after the uh, running back mold, kind of, you know, after the catch dynamic player, kind of like a Debo Samuel was last year, um, you know, where he can, he can run through you in the open field. Uh, he's a beast though, much bigger, even bigger than Samuel. Samuel's a, a just under shy six foot and about 220. Um, Chanel, uh is 6'1", 225, 228, somewhere in that range. So he's a, he's a beast, and he has potential to turn in this year's draft's top receiver. That said, I don't love the landing spot. Uh, Gardner Minshew, the, the Jacksonville quarterback, he's a nice journeyman, kind of spot starter. Maybe he develops into a mediocre starter, but I don't see this offense as a place that's going to produce high-end uh, production. Um, so I like the fan, the dynasty value, particularly if, if Jacksonville emerges. Um, but it's going to take a couple of years. And for this year, I just don't think he's going to get enough targets to be fantasy relevant. So maybe 85 targets, 55 catches, 650 yards, two TD, something in that range. Um, next, tight end Cole Clement. Uh, Clement is a classic Notre Dame product. You know, 6'6", 262, decent inline blocker, speed, um, good contested catchability. Uh, classic, you know, Notre Dame tight end. Um, he'll compete with Adam Shaheen to back up Jimmy Graham. Clearly, this early in the second round, Shaheen was a second rounder as well, but but it hasn't really developed. Uh, he's got to have the inside track, and I think Graham will have some fan will have fantasy value this year, but but Clement won't. But I think fantasy relevance down the road and dynasty purposes, he's probably a good pick long term. So that was pick number forty three. Um, De Denver Broncos came back in the second round with pick number forty six and took KJ Hamler out of Penn State. A uh, small scat back, kind of the Jalen Rager type guy. Um, and this is probably a more appropriate place to take him, quite frankly. Um, so the Bron Broncos selected kind of their slot game breaker, special teams ace to pair with Corton Sutland and Jerry Judy. You know, for an offense and starting quarterback in development, that's a lot of young talent. I just have a hard time imagining any of them developing anything but a low-end wide receiver too um, for for any of those guys right now, Sutton, Judy, Judy and, and Hamler. I like Judy long-term. Uh, but near term, until we know what Drew Locke is and what the offense is going to uh, look like, it's hard to, to love any of these guys, anything other than just kind of dynasty, longer term plays. Um, next pick, wide receiver Chase Claypool, Pittsburgh, number 49. Look, the Steelers have an awesome track record recently of drafting wide receivers in rounds kind of two through four uh, and picking a ton of talent. Emmanuel Sanders, Martavis Bryant, uh, Antonio Brown was, a, I think, a six rounder. Um, so he was a little bit later. Uh, but they had just have a history of a bunch of these guys in those in those kind of mid rounds. Uh, uh, Juju Smith Schuster is another one. Um, so they're going to get a lot. Claypool is going to get a lot of positive press. People are going to hype him up. Um, 
and he's a beast. You know, he's 6'4", 238, is a matchup nightmare. Um, but does he have enough wiggle and quickness to stay at wide receiver? You know, if he's a if he's a focused kind of red zone possession receiver type, maybe he can flourish immediately. However, I see a lot of bust potential to he just being kind of a tweener size. And I didn't see a lot of that, like, ability to excel at the NFL level at wide receiver. And he's probably too small at tight end. I, my guess is he gets used in some creative ways and, and is a productive player. But maybe he's never the fantasy-relevant player that we'd want out of a pick this, this early in the draft. Um, okay, that gets me to pick number 52. The Los Angeles Rams selected uh, running back K-Makers out of Florida State. Uh, this is a really interesting, good pick. One of the more underrated selections of the top two rounds, in my opinion. Akers isn't a guaranteed star, but he's above average in every facet. It reminds me of his Seminoles predecessor, Dalvin Cook. Uh, landing with Sean McVay and the LA Rams means this is a highly, this will be like a hype selection. Everyone's going to talk about it. And for good reason. The Rams offense is dynamic um, and they're lacking a consistent all-around force at running back when they cut Todd Gurley. So ceiling is high. Uh, there's definitely a low floor here too. But I think it will be more uh, kind of the median, which should be good enough for kind of RB3 flex production. So this is definitely a, a, a rookie pick kind of thing. My projection is 40 targets, roughly 32 catches, 275 yards, two TDs, and probably 150-ish carries, 700-ish yards, and eight TDs. So I like him a lot. Um, next one, it may be the most intriguing pick uh, of the first two rounds. Uh, and let me get to it. It's pick number 53 by the Philadelphia Eagles selected. Uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts and not only do they select them they traded up for him uh, and I'll tell you right now no competent NFL run team trades up into the first or second round if they don't really like and expect that player to have a substantial role on their team it's just a fact so you can argue that oh it's insurance only it's not just insurance it, you wouldn't do that in the first or second round just an in insurance um, especially with Wentz being what 26 27 We're talking about like right in the prime um, so that's why this selection is so intriguing. And let's not forget, Hertz was as productive, more successful in terms of winning and a better physical size than Baker Mayfield or Kyla Murray, the past two number one picks and his predecessors at Oklahoma. Look at that. Look it up. Look at the production of Baker Mayfield, Kyla Murray, Jalen Hertz. Look at the overall winning. Look at their size. You know, Hertz isn't as sudden or athletic as Murray and may not have as much swagger as Mayfield. But watching all three play at Oklahoma, I can't tell a difference uh, between the three. And I'll argue that I like Hertz more than either of those two. So couple that with the Eagles have no postseason success with Carson Wentz. Let's not forget all those playoff wins were with Nick Foles leading the team and his injury history. And this is going to be an awesome storyline hitting in 2020. Um, I think Hertz is a future starter, but I also think this is an opportunity selection by the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles are looking to replace Wentz. I think they, they clearly are like, we need great insurance at low cost value and uh, Hertz, if Wentz continues to do what he, we expect him to do and continues to merge and is a future MVP and clearly franchise quarterback, which we believe he is, then Hertz is a future first round trade bait and we get a really nice backup um, in the meantime, at a, a really good cost control. So I like this uh, all around. It's intriguing, though, um, and I think there's high dynasty value uh, because this guy, Hertz, is going to be a cheaper player in, in fantasy drafts, and this is a player who is as productive and consistent as any quarterback in this draft. Uh, so don't don't sleep on uh, Hertz. Um, next pick, running back, J.K. Dobbins, Baltimore, selected number 55 out of, out of the Ohio State University. Um, the Ravens, again, another one of these teams, they had some depth and backfield, actually good players, and they invest a high pick 
second rounder on another running back. Uh, so this this uh, this is an interesting selection. You know, I think Dobbins will immediately pair with with Mark Ingram, relegating Gus Edwards and others to kind of special teams. Um, and uh, Dobbins is a versatile, do everything type runner. You would have, you know, he would have been a top twenty pick in a different era. Uh, given the Rams' ground game focus, it's possible Dobbins has fantasy value out of the gate. But Ingram is better than people realize, and Lamar Jackson is effectively a kind of one B in their running game. So. That doesn't leave a lot of media opportunity, but you never know. And uh, quite frankly, Dobbins is really good. So RB flex, kind of solid fantasy value. I don't think he's going to have a huge number of, of targets, but I, I could see 125 carries, 600 plus yards rushing in three tees, which is, you know, maybe spot starter with injuries or whatnot. Um, but I, I like I like Dobbins as a player, not a great landing spot. Uh, next, wide receiver uh, Van Jefferson, selected by the Los Angeles Rams with pick number 57. So... Rams invested heavily in rebuilding their offense skill positions in this draft, obviously with the camp maker selection. And then this uh, van son of former wide receiver NFL wide receiver, Sean Jefferson, that he comes from good stock and he lands in an awesome offensive system system. That said, he's the number three wide receiver behind established kind of young stars uh, in Robert Woods and Cooper cup. So maybe Woods is approaching 30, but he's still very much in his prime. And Cooper cup is, I think his third year now, maybe fourth year. Um, so there's some great value here uh, if there's an injury. And there's nice fantasy value. But this isn't somebody who will return immediate fantasy value. Uh, but I like Jefferson, good player, um, and good long-term landing spot. So next up, uh, New York Jets with the 59th selection selected wide receiver Denzel Mims. Um, you know, Sam Darnold needs weapons. So this is a, it's a logical position selection. Um, however, with the depth of the position, I don't love the pick. Uh, Mims has good size. But he's not special in any facet. Uh, maybe he develops in a red zone target, middle of the field kind of chain mover. He's, he's got good size. From a fantasy point of view, he does walk into an ideal spot, though. Uh, in fact, he could be funneled wide receiver one targets out of the gate, uh, and that alone would, would make him relevant. So I actually have a pretty strong projection here, even though I don't love the pick and the player. I've got him at 110 targets, 75 catches, which is a, would be a good, good, good uh, catch percentage. Uh, I think they'll be doing a lot of things with red zone or uh, with short, uh, high high percentage, kind of keeping keeping the the box clean um, for Le'Veon and and whatnot. So I've got him at 75 catches, 975 ish yards, and five tees, which certainly would put him on the kind of fantasy map. Um, but there's definitely a lower floor too. And then the last pick of the first two rounds, uh, from a skill position standpoint is uh, the Green Bay Packers with pick number 62 select A.J. Dillon out of, um, out of Boston College. And uh, Dillon is another kind of good offense, uh, or he lands in a good offense uh, with running back depth. You know, so this is a, a tough pick. It definitely hurts the value of guys like Aaron Jones. Some uh, definitely hurts Jamal Williams a ton. Um, so, you know, this is kind of a theme of the draft, really, is is teams kind of loading up and investing relatively high picks on uh, on running backs where they've already got some talent there. Um, so Dylan provides the Packers a downhill kind of bruising option behind uh, uh, and maybe partnered with Aaron Jones and to a lesser extent Jamal Williams. I like Dylan, but he's he's very one dimensional. He's kind of more old school, like just plotter. He's not a natural receiver, isn't a home run threat, and really just excels at moving the pile. But that's that's a hole in this team. And another interesting factor is both Jones and Williams are in contract years. Uh, they were drafted exactly four years to go t- uh, together in the same draft. So presumably this selection gives them leverage in those negotiations. 
Uh, my projection, though, is about 110 carries, about 450, 475 yards, and about five TDs. So um, good, good, uh, good production, but not amazing. So that's the first two rounds. Just real quick summarization. Um, I think if you look at the running backs uh, in this in this first two rounds, the guys that are going to be kind of highly sought after and likely have immediate production are uh, the KC pick, Clyde Edwards-Hilar. Love that pick. Um, I like Jonathan Taylor. I just when I when he ran a four three and you watch the tape, he's just a consistent producer on the ground. I think he's going to uh, put a nice mix there. I, I think his high end is a little bit limited, but he's got a potential to be RB two. Um, and then Swift and Acres, uh, Acres more than Swift. Love the landing spot for Acres. The competition around him is pretty marginal. Um, there's some players there, but they get the players in space. They're really going to make it work. I think he's a he's an immediate RB two, uh, borderline RB two, more RB three. Definitely really strong flex player. And then Swift is kind of a more of a guaranteed flex, but but probably RB three. Um, the other running backs, Dobbins, Dylan, um, they're more they're more situational. Injuries have to occur, whatnot. And then at quarterback, I, it's pretty clear that I think um, Burrow and and likely Herbert will get a ton of starts. Burrow definitely. Tua is probably going to sit. Uh, Jordan Love sitting. Jalen Hurts is definitely sitting, barring uh, a Wentz injury. Um, so you got one starting quarterback there. And then receiver, a ton of talent. A lot of people are saying this is the best receiver draft in over 20-something years. So, And you saw it with, with the number of, of receivers taken. First rounds, 13 of the first 64 picks were wide receivers. That's that's close to a record. Maybe it is a record. Uh, I should look that up. Anyhow, hey, I appreciate everybody joining. It's awesome. Uh, great draft. I'll be back in another episode talking about players that were impacted and talking about sleepers, kind of talking about guys from the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe even a seventh rounder I'll throw out there. Just guys to be pay attention on as as uh, as we get news out of uh, mini camps, or which won't happen, uh, and maybe even training camps, which almost definitely is not happening. Uh, strange world we live in, but at least we got to this fantasy thing to kind of uh, escape to diversion from uh, from the craziness of real life. So, anyhow, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe at your favorite directory. Uh, uh, fantasy Sports Collective is, is available everywhere, and I really appreciate you listening. Hope you guys have an awesome day. Take care. Let me tell you a little something. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uh, I said uptown funk you up.